Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to this edition of the Memory Lane Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Very pleased to be joined today by former Bucko shortstop Jordy Mercer, a member of the three consecutive playoff teams for the Pirates from 2013, 14, 15. A very exciting time for the Buckos. Jordy, how you doing today, man? Everything going well? Hey, Corey, I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy um, being dad. You know, just drop the kids off at school. Um, everything's going great. Yeah, I can't complain. All right, so for Pirates fans that are not aware of this, you just recently retired. So what uh, what led to that decision? And here we are, uh, baseball season is underway. Are you missing it? Or, or is it is it tough to be away after you've retired? Well, so what led to what led to my retirement? Well, um, you as as you get in the course of off season, right? You it's it's not any more of just showing up in spring training and then getting ready for the season. It's a full time commitment in the off season to prepare to you know work out, um, continue to hit, continue to just prepare yourself for the season because you know the season is going to be long grind. Um, so you have to prepare your body, you have to pre- prepare your mind, you have to be in a good spot nowadays <clears throat> to go into spring training and to be ready to play. Well, when after the last out of the last game, um, I haven't picked up a bat yet, and I still haven't to this day. I haven't. And I, that was one thing that really came to my mind was, you know, do I really want to continue to do this? Like, do I because ha- I have to prepare if I'm if I want to go back, right? I have to prepare, and I just didn't want to. I didn't have that that feeling of, uh, or that itch, or whatever it might be, um, to get ready for that upcoming season. And that's when I knew it was, you know, because last year we, t- we, me and my wife talked about it quite a bit. We knew it was coming to an end relatively soon, but we just didn't know exactly when because you don't know when as a baseball player. You really don't know how a certain set time of when. Only fortunate enough people get to, to do that, you know, maybe into their contract or whatever, but um, you just didn't, you just don't really know when until it actually hits you and you're like, man, okay, this is it. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I still love the game. I do to this day. I still love it. Um, I still think I can play. There's no doubt about it that I can still play. Um, 
And, but it's just the, the, the fact of preparing that preparation, the fact of getting ready, the fact of, um, being gone so much, my kids are nine, six, and four now, all boys. And so we're right in the middle of baseball and, and football and, and all kinds of, you know, stuff. And I'm helping coach all those teams. And so that had a little bit of factor in it too, as well. My oldest actually wanted me to go back to play. So, um, so I was, I was getting, you know, tugged on both ends, but when it came down to it, it was the, the fact of, you know, not prepare, not wanting to prepare, not wanting to get, get ready for the upcoming season. And that's when I knew I was like, okay, it's time, time for the next chapter. It's time to move on. It's time to, um, you know, see what the future holds. You know, it's, I, I'm intrigued by what you said because you got uh, young boys playing. I have a nine-year-old son. He's playing and you've had to miss your kids, when, when, you, when you're a ball player, you got to miss a lot of things that your kids do and being able to watch them play ball. You're 35 years old now and you are retired. How much are you just looking forward to being there for your kids and, and, and getting to enjoy their activities? Because that's got to be something really difficult for, for professional athletes that they don't get to do. Corey, that's the hardest part as a professional athlete is missing your, your kids' you know activities. Um, that's not only just baseball or, or sports stuff, but you're missing field trips. You miss, you know, school activities. You miss a lot of stuff that, you know, you don't get to go to. And I think that's one of the hardest parts. As, as I've gotten older and my kids grew up and they're getting older too, I mean, that's all we knew. Don't get me wrong. As as the Mercer family, that's all we knew was, was baseball, right? That's all we knew was spring training coming up. We're packing our stuff up. We're flying to wherever, we're getting ready for the season. We're playing the season in the summer. We come back, school starts, and we do it all over again. I mean, that's just the way it was. Um, now, as they get older and, and I've gotten older, and, and you realize how much stuff that you actually miss, and that's the hardest part, you know. And then now when you're home and you get to be a part of it and you're right in the middle of everything, and it's just it's a happy feeling. And like I said, I'm, I'm in a good spot right now, and I'm happy to be home. Hey, you played 10 years in the majors. Congratulations on a lengthy and successful career. Jordy Mercer came up through the Pirates system, had a lot of success in the minor leagues, came up to the Buccos. You were part of three consecutive playoff teams in 2013, 14, and 15. Before we get into that specifically, those three teams that that, uh, were successful, what is your favorite memory? What is the favorite memory of your professional baseball career well i think there's a couple of them i think one um the group that we had um the core group of players that we had we all came up to the system together which was really cool i mean i don't think you see that very often anymore is i mean we had i want to say Corey, we had 10 or 12 guys that played on the same team whether it be lynchburg altoona whatever it might be that we all eventually made to the big leagues together, which is unbelievable. And, and that's where st- I'm still good friends, like with Josh and a lot of the guys that, you know, that you make those relationships with Jeff Locke, Justin Wilson. I mean, I could go on and on about um, of guys that we play with that we still talk to or still have phone numbers or whatever it might be that you create that bond, that relationship with. And it's not just one season, it's multiple seasons. And so, that was one thing that I've always really, really admired um, for us as players, um, especially that core group, that we all did it together. We won everywhere we went, and we changed the culture um, in the big leagues when we got there. And it was just a matter of time, and we knew it too. We could, we always talked to each other. It was like we knew it. Our, our time's coming. 
we're going to change this thing because we knew we were winning in, in the lower levels. And so we knew that if we all stay together and, and, you know, continue to do what we were doing, um, we were going to have success up there too. And so it was just a matter of time before we all got up there and we did it and we finally changed either the whole landscape and, and brought winning back to Pittsburgh. And I think, and, you know, another memory is obviously the wild card game. I was, I happened to be there. Um, I didn't get start that day. I didn't play that game. Uh, I played in, in the game two and game f- uh, four of the division series, but um, I got to experience it. And when you're a young, I was still relatively young, a rookie at the time, pretty much. And when you experience something like that, um, you know, it's, it's shocking to the body. It is, man. It's, it's in, in a good way, in a good way, obviously, um, because we knew Pittsburgh was ready to erupt. We knew that. And it was just a matter of time before we brought winning back and we can get in the playoffs and then the fans were going to go crazy. And, and they did. All right. I hope this is right because this is some tremendous irony, but uh, the Quato Quato stuff at PNC Park on that night in 2013 was amazing. And I'll ask you about that later on. Who was your very first career major league hit off of, Jordy? That was him. <laughs> that was Johnny Quaida, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's him. <laughs> that's great. The irony there is is fantastic. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, what you mentioned is really what I wanted to discuss with you about a lot of these players coming up through the minor league system and then changing the culture in Pittsburgh. I spoke with Al Oliver, former Pirate, a few weeks ago. He called the, the, the group that came up uh, through the minor league system for the Pirates in the 60, late 60s were called the Baby Bucks. They get to Pittsburgh, they're, that Roberto Clemente, Willie Stargell there, and then you've got the Baby Bucks, and they win a World Series in 1971. Now, we're not talking about a World Series team for the Pirates from 13, 14, and 15, but I do want to draw a similar parallel there because that team had Andrew McCutcheon. And Neil Walker, you had some leaders on that team by the time you guys all got there. But you're talking about establishing a winning culture, a winning mentality, 
Because what I wanted to ask Jordy about is how you guys helped the Pirates go from 20 consecutive losing seasons to three playoff appearances, and how much of it was because of an infusion of players who knew how to win, and you join a team that's got some established veterans like Akutch and Neil Walker. Yeah, I mean, I think you you, you you hit the nail on the head. I think that's it. You bring, I think when you start an organization or you're a G- GM, um, I think you have to have that core group of players that's been together, that's one that knows how to play with each other, things like that. And then you sprinkle in the veteran players to add to it. So, you know, we got Russ, you know, Russ Martin there um, to, to, to bonify our leadership behind the plate. Um, we got some veterans that we added here and there, um, you know, with Marlon Bird, um, you know, guys like that that has been around, that knows how to play the game. Um, that's been in playoffs before. Um, Morneau is another one. I mean, there's a whole bunch of that you you sprinkle in the, the veterans with the core group, and then you got a pretty good ball club, right? And I think that's that's the name of the game. That's what GMs try to do is you build up from the when you build it, when, especially when you're a smaller market team, you build up from the minor leagues, and then once you get to that point and your window opens then that's when you start adding veterans to it um, that's been there, done that, and, and look what happens. And I think that's, that was a huge, huge boost for us uh, to have A.J. there too as well. Um, guys that have been there, done it, but yet can, can guide our little core group. Um, and, and this is how we do things. You know, this, is, this is the way we play, things like that, that, that taught us the right way and, and that uh, led us for, for three years straight, really. You know? And that's kind of – and then once, once they card – they started trading them off or whatever, and then we our core group was still there. We were still winning games. We were because we knew how to, and so I think it's definitely a combination of both. You know, starting that core group in the minor leagues, and then sprinkling some veterans there as you get you know as your window opens at the big leagues. I want to backtrack a little bit. In 2012, the Pirates were 67 and 54 on August 19th. And everybody thought, yeah, yeah, everybody thought that was going to end the twenty-year losing streak. And then the team really struggled down the stretch and finished seventy-nine and eighty-three. However, for as much as that struggle was at the end of twenty twelve, what was the mindset? What was the mentality throughout the organization going into the twenty thirteen season? Because ultimately, you did make the playoffs, but did people feel like February, March, and April as you're getting ready for that season? Did people feel like that was going to be the year that the, the twenty-year streak would end? Well, in, in 12, when we, I remember we had the lead in the division throughout the summer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that big time. And it was, we never were in that situation before, right? Um, and I think that's what led us down to the drop-off towards the end of the year is um, the pressure got to us a little bit. Um, we knew what we knew what's in front of us. Players know. They know what is going on. They know that the Pirates hasn't been in the, the playoffs in a long time. We knew that. We, we knew the talk was going on. We knew we knew all that stuff. And, you know, when, when you haven't been in that situation before as a group, right, um, things happen, things might turn sideways that you, you can't really turn back the other way. And it did. It snowballed on us, and we couldn't get it turned back the other way. But that led us into 13, right? So that, that experience, that being, you know – when basically leading the division at certain points of the season, um, you know, that led us into that 13 year of going, okay, we've been here before. Now we know what it's like. We got a taste of it. And here we go. Now it's our turn. When we get to that point, 
um, we've been there and we, we know what to do now. And I think that, that definitely, that 12 season was huge for us. I feel like even the younger kids that got called up in September too, um, you know, I was up and down for four months basically, but, um, by the time September rolled around, there's a lot of us up by then. And, um, I think that experience just led us in the 13, 14 and 15, those years of, of, you know, winning and playing really good baseball. In 2013, you played 103 games, eight homers, 27 RBIs, a 285 batting average. You were a key part of what was going on, but you were still, uh, uh you weren't, you weren't necessarily young. You were 26, but you were newer to that team. How did you see, what was your recollection as the 2013 season is going on? And that was a really good team, won 94 games. What what do you recall as the 2013 summer is happening and you're feeling like, hey, this is a team that can really can really do something? Yeah, I mean, well, Kutch was playing at an all-time high. I think that was the first and foremost that we understood that he was our leader. He was the guy that was driving us. He was having a career year. Um, he was up for the MVP, obviously, early on in the, in the, in the year and ended up winning it that year. Um, so we rode his coattails, man. We did. And we knew that he was determined and he was, he was playing at his best and um, it just kind of drove all of us too. And we knew that um, as we got in later in the summer and we were still in that good spot, like we, we had a good cushion. We were playing well. Uh, we just had to you know, keep our, our you know, foot on the pedal. Right. And when I think what hit us or me in particular, my opinion was school started back in August. Right. And we were still selling out in August and September crazy crowds like you don't you just don't see that in the big leagues um when school starts because you know people back to you know their jobs and busy and whatever with kids so you just don't see that anymore you see it there in the summer quite a bit but you don't see it once school starts and the same early on in the springtime you don't really see it as much either but we noticed that we noticed that big time when all end of august september rolled around and we were selling out like crazy and it was just fun to play in and we just knew that we were in a good spot and um, we just got to keep going. We had to keep going to keep playing. And like I said, that experience helped us out from, from 2012 to let us into 2013. All right. At any point, because you'd experienced it in 2012, at any point uh, later in that 2013 season, was there any concern that 2012 might happen again? Or was everybody feeling like, hey, we went through that. We got this now. Oh, I'm sure there was. I'm sure there was because you knew what was on the line. There was a lot. There was quite a bit of pressure, you know, throughout the city. You could just feel it, you know, of 20 losing seasons, man. It was, <laughs> you knew that, um, you know, you, you, you needed to get this done. We wanted to be the, the team too. You know, the players in there, we wanted to do it. You know, that, that was the thing is we wanted to be the team to change it. And, but I'm, I'm sure there was, I'm sure we could feel it. And, you know, I think the the Cubs game, I actually watched that game the other day or some highlights of it um, in Chicago when we clinched that, that was, that was, fun. that was fun. That was a lot of fun. So, um, you know, it's, you just got to keep going. Like you just got to keep playing. Um, you, you knew what, you knew what was on the line, but we knew we had a good team. We knew we had a really good team. And then we added, like I said, we added some veterans late and to help us, you know, kind of extend that push. And guys have been there and done it before, so I think that helped out too. All right, the wild card game against the Reds, really one of the great uh, moments in Pittsburgh sports history with the Cueto. Cueto, the ballpark was incredible. Um, I remember being there that night. It was just, it was just electric, and you hear that word a lot in sports, but it truly was electric that night. 
Uh, walk us through your memories of that, uh, Jordy. Clint Barmas started at shortstop, um, but you were there. What what was your recollection, and and how how many fond memories do you have of that night? So I'll never forget when they were doing the starting lineups, and we're all on the, on the line, right? All our names, we all go on the line before the game, and I'll never forget the hair was literally standing up on my neck. It was crazy, like it was absolute just nuts. Um, and like I said, we knew we were going with a blackout theme. We knew that this place was ready to erupt. Like we knew there's hungry, hungry fans, you know, ready to do this with us, right? And so we expected. We expected some of this, right? We expected to be crazy hostile. We knew that. We knew going into it. We did not expect anything like that. I promise you, nobody on that team expected anything like that. We knew it was going to be crazy. We did because we talked about it on the bus on the way back. Um, you know, coming into when we had that grace period and a couple of days in between the wild card game, we knew it was going to be crazy. We knew it. Um, but we had no idea it was going to be like that. And that's what was so cool about the whole situation was – Fans were going nuts, and then we ended up winning the game. Obviously, then we heard people were jumping off the bridge, and we heard like crazy stuff. I mean, it was just it was pandemonium, and we loved every bit of it. All right, so you guys amongst each other in the dugout, and everybody, and you're talking with all your friends, and uh, what are those conversations like as you're looking up and and seeing PNC Park uh, react the way it did? Nuts, just absolute nuts, and. and we just kept going like, oh, my gosh, like everybody chimed in on the blackout theme. I think that was the first and foremost thing that we talked about a lot was everybody was in black, which was crazy. Like everybody bought in. And and then we just talked about how, you know, this is how Pittsburgh should be. Right. This is how the Pirates organization should be like. This is this town is a humongous sports town. Like they they bleed black and gold. That's what they do. And. I remember talking about it, I mean, to this day, like we just kept looking around just amazement of how awesome this was and how like, man, we should make this an every year thing. Like this has got to be, this has got to be something that we do on a yearly basis because it's how much fun we're having. It's so tremendously well said because during the 20 year losing streak and the early 2000s, you know, people were frustrated and everything, but you could always tell the fan base was ready to erupt. They they were they were ready for 2013 because they really had lived it for 20 years. And yeah, maybe the, the, sure there was a lot of frustration, but it was obvious the passion was still there. And you got there again, 2012. H- how much did you realize even before the wild card game in 2013? How much did you realize the passion in Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh was still there for the Pirates. Well, that summer of 12, for sure. Um, the summer of 12, when we were, you know, flirting with first place, um, had, a, had a good record going, playing well at the time. Um, that's when they were sh- like the crowds were showing up like crazy. And then you, you also know that, you know, the Steelers, their success, they've always had the Penguins' success they've always had. And, and the playoffs, you know, that they've always, um, basically every year they're in pretty much but on both sides that – the fans would show up. We knew that. We knew in the back of our mind that if we could ever get this thing turned around, that they would they would come. We we knew that, and that's you know it's an old cliche saying, but it's the truth because we knew how big of a sports city it was. You know they love their Steelers, they love their Penguins, and then but yes they they love their Pirates too. I mean if we could get all three organizations to 
to be in the playoffs. I mean, how cool would that be, you know? And so we always talked about that. We knew that if we ever just got this thing turned around, that we, this place would erupt and go crazy. And I think everybody, you know, got a glimpse of in 12. That was up there at the time when we were starting to pack out the place a little bit. And things were getting, it was getting fun. We were playing good baseball. And then obviously we, we you know, the snowballed and dipped out there but on the end of 12. But we knew that if we could just ever get it get it going and get it in the right place, that it would be crazy. And like I said, we were selling out in September during school on, on weekdays. And that that very rarely happens in the big leagues. And it was that was what's really, really cool about it. And one last thing on the 13 wildcard game, the Cueto, Cueto. I mean, Johnny Cueto is an excellent major league pitcher. Uh, and uh, the crowd chanting his name, he drops the ball. Uh, what What do you remember about that? Uh, did, were you guys laughing in the in the dugout when he dropped the ball, or do you think the crowd truly truly caused him to drop the ball, or was it just one of those cosmic coincidences? I, the one thing I remember is Russ's home run. Yeah. After that, that's what I remember. I think a lot of us remember that. I mean, yeah, that led into it. I don't think we really much thought of it too too much. You know, right. time. Um, but as soon as he hit the home run, I think that's when we were like, <laughs> what just happened? And then the craziness hit. So for me, and I, I probably am, I'm sure I'm, I'm guessing with a lot of other players too, that we all remember the rest home run for sure right after that. All right. So you do lose in the next series to the Cardinals, but I, I don't, I don't really want to get a whole lot deep into that because the, the run for 14 and 15, you still had that team together. You come back in 14, another terrific season. You make the playoffs. You come back in 15, 98 wins. Um, just as you look back on that three year run, Jordy, how proud are you of, of everything that that entire group accomplished? Yeah, I, I think you can't be nothing but proud of what we did. Um, you know, we wish we could have obviously went farther. You know, that was the goal was we wanted to go farther. We wanted to do bigger, better things, right? Um, but like you said, winning 98 games, winning 90 games in general in the big leagues, but let alone two games away from a 100-win season um, in the big leagues is just incredible. I mean, that is. And the fact that three of us in the same division all had, you know, 198, 97, I want to say, or 96 with the Cubs, um, was pretty remarkable. And it just so happened that the, that's the way it worked out. Usually you win 98 games, you win, you win a division by 10 to 15 games. That's usually the way it goes. But that particular year, just it just didn't. You know, there was three teams in that same division that were really, really good. And, and uh, you know, fortunately one of us had to go and that was us. But, um, you know, I, I think just over the three years that, you know, we saw – eventually everything started turning the table started turning um things started going our way um we were really really good at home um i think the crowd had a lot to do with it um nobody really wanted to play us you know that was the thing is we had a lot of weapons we could do a lot of different things we can move guys um we could bunt guys over um you know we could play hit and run baseball and we could also hit the ball in the park so we were just one a one-dimensional team and um, we, we did a lot of things. We ran the bases really well. We stole a lot of bases. We were fast. We played really, really good defense. And our pitchers threw strikes and put the ball on the ground. And I think that's a, a lot of that's a winning formula, you know, in the big leagues. Even today, it's a winning formula. Play good defense and, and pitch. I mean, I think that's – you can win a lot of games doing that. So um, we, knew at, uh, we knew that we had a, a special group at the time. and We put it all together, and it was a fun ride. And, and we just wish we could have went farther for sure. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Were you a fan of the one game wild card situation? You won one of them. You lost two. And for a six-month season to come down to one game, where where do you stand on it? it, it they, they now are going to have the the three game series for it, but where where do you stand on that whole one game format? In thirteen, I loved it. <laughs> of course, <laughs> um, fifteen, I we hated it. In fifteen, we did because we felt like we kind of got robbed. When a ninety-eight games, like you said, and then come down to one game, um, we just felt like we had so much more in the tank. We felt like we had such a better ball club. Um, then kind of what we, we threw out there on that day. And we faced Ari, Jake Arrieta. I mean, he was arguably the greatest pitcher at that time in all of baseball. I mean, his, his some of his numbers were off the charts. Yep. And same thing with 14. We faced uh, – basically, you could have gave him Bumgarner the, the World Series ring by himself in 14, right? So those things like that, that's that's what, what you remember. Like, man, what could have happened you know, if we had had a three-game series – and, you know, we lose the first game, obviously, but I think we could come back and win the next two for sure. And I don't think there was any doubt in our mind that we could have. And so 15 for sure was a, definitely a low blow for us because we have such a good team. We were on such a good run. We played so, we played so good all year. And that was the thing. We played such good all year because we were right on the Cardinals' heels all year long playing really good baseball. So I think that was definitely – um, the year that I remember that man, this one, this one game thing kind of stinks now because we had so, we felt like we had so much more in the tank. The main complaint for Pirates fans after 2015, when you won 98 games, is that there just wasn't really much added to the team for 2016, and uh, so the three year run ended. You did go 78 and 83 in 2016 still a, a pretty decent season but but after the three-year playoff run um wh- wh- what do you remember about 2016 and the you know the offseason going into that year and the, what kind of team you felt like you guys had for that season yeah i, I think to, to touch on the first thing you said i think we always uh wish we could have added more I, I don't think that's you know, I don't think that's a, a secret to, you know, to anybody, to be honest with you, to fans or even the, to the players. Um, I remember we, we all really wanted David Price at the time. He was a free agent um, in those 13, 14, 15 years. Um, we felt like if we could have had, had him, um, you know, we could have made some serious runs. But that's, that's out of our control. You know, we have no, we have no say in that. We, we don't know 
you know, what goes on up in the front office and, and what their constraints are and things like that. So we don't know. Was there but, frustration, though, with the front office? I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but that is that's long been the contention. Did, did the players did, did did the players feel that or did you just try to go about your business on a day to day basis, regardless of what the front office did? I, I don't think there was frustration. I think there was like there was some um like, man, we, what if, you know what I mean? I think there's a lot of that. Like, you know, what if we could have added another arm or another ace and got rid of some of our prospects? Cause that was the biggest thing for us. Once we got to the big leagues is we always had the number one farm system in all of baseball. I felt like we had that for years and years and years. And, you know, Corey about baseball, all your prospects aren't going to turn out. That's just the way it is. I mean, it, it, it's hard to get to the big leagues. It's even harder to stay. I think everybody's heard that that language before, but um, prospects don't always turn out. That's just the way it is. And so when you get the chance to add to your big league team and you have that one, like we talked about earlier, that window open, um, I think that's when us players, we wish we had capitalized on them more. But was there frustration? I don't think there was frustration because we were playing good. You know, we were good at the time. So I don't think there was really frustration, but there was a lot of what ifs though. Like what if we could have added this or added this guy or added whoever, and then, you know, yeah, it may not turn out long term, right? But when now, if we're win now mode, then, then look what happens. And so I think that was that was the big thing for us. One last thing I wanted to touch on at the end of your career, and you played with the Pirates uh, through 2018 and then go on to the Tigers and the Yankees and the Nationals. Um, so you, you experienced some different teams, some different settings, you know, the latter part of your career. I want to ask you about baseball, in the latter part of your career, um, because you pl- you were playing in Major League Baseball during the time during the era when the way Major League Baseball is played has changed probably as dramatically as we've ever seen. Now there's so much emphasis on the home run. People don't necessarily care about the strikeout, the launch angle, the exit velocity. When you came up to the big leagues for the first time in 2012. Did you know what launch angle was? No, that's that's honestly true. No, I don't think anybody did. We were taught growing up, and even growing up in college and going through the minor leagues, um, we were just starting to do the shifting. I think that was the biggest thing that okay. everybody was kind of going crazy about was the shifting thing. We were one of the first teams to ever do it, and we weren't doing it that much. We weren't doing on where we weren't going on the other side of second base yet. We weren't doing any of that stuff yet, but we were definitely moving though. Like that was the thing was we were moving, and and that was un- unfamiliar to a lot of people. Is we were moving around, we weren't standing in our normal positions, and I think that was one of the big things. We're like, okay, well we're trying to be, we're trying to get one step ahead of this thing. And that's kind of the way the pirates have always been through my eyes growing up and going through the, going through the minor leagues and, and the big leagues is we've been trying to stay one step ahead of, you know, all teams basically in the analytic department. Right. So we were doing the shifts like crazy. And that's when we started at um, launch angle hitting wise. Not, none of that came in, into play till later in my career, to be honest with you. I want to say maybe I heard a little bit of an 18 and 19 is when it really got to me. When I got to Detroit, that's when they're really talking about it. Um, and then obviously 2021, it's just been blowing up like ever since. But. Can you change? I mean, and at that point, if you're in the game already, 
do, do they try to get you to change? How do you how how do players go about that when again you're used to playing a certain way and now new concepts come out? Were you able to adapt launch angle into your swing or, or at that stage? How, how challenging can that be? Yeah, I mean, like when I was growing up and when I was going through it, you're, you're taught to hit the ball the other way, taught to put the ball in play, choke up, spread out, two strikes, you know, put the ball, like I said, make something happen. Nowadays, there's not. Nowadays, they want you to get your A swing off every time, whether it's 0-2, 1-2, 3-2, it don't matter. You know, you're still not choking up. You're still, you know, trying to put your best swing on the ball. And if you strike out, that's okay. You still put your best swing on the ball. And so whenever you do clip one, um, you got it with your A swing, and it's going to be the best result possible. Possible, and that was hard for me. Definitely hard for me because, like I said, I'm the guy that puts the ball in play. I'm a gap to gap hitter. Um, I hit a lot of doubles. I don't hit a, necessarily hit a lot of homers. I think the most I had in my career was 14. So um, it's not. It wasn't really a whole bunch of power numbers for me, but it was a lot of doubles for me, and that's that's what I prided on. I prided hitting the ball in the gap and, and making things happen, not striking out as much. I, I did late in my career because I was trying to chase my swing a little bit, and that's what they wanted me to do. Um, obviously, I think pitchers are better, though. You know, I think from coming up in 12, when I first came up in 12 to you know, my last year, last year was the arms are so much better. It's not even close. I don't think that's even, even the matter because – where you made your money was in the middle parts of you know the bullpens and um, you know five six seven round there is when you're going to get your where you're going to make your money. That's where the relief pitchers come in. You start whacking them around a little bit. Always towards the ends have been good and always starters have been good, but now it's everybody good. I mean everybody's just ridiculous. How, do you how good arms there is? Do you like it the way it is now or? I mean, because you're you're 35. I've talked to a lot of players, former players that have been out of the game for a while. They don't watch baseball; they just don't like it. You're you're just recently removed from it. Do you like where baseball is now and where it's heading? I, I think it's it's going to be the ebbs and flows. I think it's going to be it's going to eventually come back to um, putting the ball in play and making things happen. I think we're just in this little area right now of time where there's just so much technology, so much um, numbers that. Um, the computer spits it out, but the computer doesn't know whether you're swinging it well or not. I think that's a lot of things that people don't understand is as a baseball player, you get in these hot streaks and it doesn't matter what the computer says. I can go up there and close my eyes and basically hit the ball in the barrel when you're, when you're locked in like that. And then also on the flip side of that, it, it can look like you can throw a beach ball up there, literally a beach ball, and you probably swing and miss. I mean, that's probably, that's just sometimes the way it goes. But the computer, to me, the computer doesn't understand that and doesn't know that. And so I think eventually it'll it'll go back around where it's got to. I feel like just because baseball has always been baseball, and I, I feel like that the, the strikeouts are so up now and, and things like that, eventually it's going to turn back around and, and, and get back to the regular game. What's, what's next for you? You said you have a nine-year-old. I'm sure you'll enjoy watching all your kids play as they grow up, but... Uh, you're so intelligent. You seem to be so good with people. I would imagine coaching would be in your future to some degree. Is that true, or or, you, or do you go away from baseball and do something else? What do you think will be next? Um, I'm an open book right now, to be honest with you, and I've told this to everybody. I'm just an open book uh, right now. I, like you said, I'm enjoying my kids. I'm helping coach all three of them, T-ball, coach pitch. I'm actually coaching or throwing to my coach pitch team, my kids, my middle kid. And then my nine-year-old is in 9U and kid pitch, and so I'm helping out with him too. So 
I'm doing that right now. I'm having fun. I'm trying to play a little bit more golf. I need a lot more help, but I'm, I'm slowly getting there, um, getting better at it. And um, But like I'm, a, I'm an open book. I feel like I still have um, something to give back to the game. I feel like I can help you know kids out in certain situations that maybe I didn't get that help when I was younger um, to kind of accelerate their career. Um, so who knows coaching could be, you know, you know, in the mix as I get, you know, down the road, but right now I'm just enjoying my time with my family and trying to make up for lost time and, and just try to be there for my, my kids and my wife as best I can. And wrap it up for us, Jordy, what does your Pittsburgh Pirates career mean to you at this stage in your life? Well, it's, it's our second home. I think that's, we've, my wife and I have talked about it the last week's couple weeks or so when we were reminiscing on you know um our years playing and the travel and things like that but uh, pittsburgh we always go back to pittsburgh and that's always been you know a, a place for us where we spent the most time our kids basically we had our kids grew up there pretty much i mean that's just the way it was there my my oldest son would always play baseball and right field after games um he got on the the tractor and, and dr- drug the field a bunch of times with the grounds crew. It's just, it was just something like that, that you can't get those memories back. And, and that's, what's so cool about it, that um, we created so many, so many good memories there in Pittsburgh and, and, and we can still, we still consider it, you know, a second home. Our kids still talk about it all the time, how, how much they loved it and, and they enjoyed it. And um, so for us, for me, um, you know, it, it was, uh, it was, I'm very, very fortunate to be able to play there and, and, it was family, um, and we'll always, always remember it. And that was some of our best years of our entire family's life um, is the Pittsburgh days. And our kids, like I said, our kids will never forget it. They, they always remember Pittsburgh, and we still talk about it to this day. Excellent. That's very well said. Uh, congratulations on a long career, Jordy. Uh, now retired. Enjoy the family. Enjoy the kids. And, uh, hey, you'll always have – some great memories. Hopefully the Pirates can get back to the playoffs again at some point, and, and we won't have to look at your your three-year run as, as the last time. So hopefully that will happen. But, hey, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to join us, man, and best of luck to you in retirement. Thanks, Corey. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks so much.